0: Or is it unrelated? You would have to ask the DHS about orders for green colored paper that they've ordered. Uh, the executive order, but the order of the of the copier paper is coming from the Department of Homeland Security.
1: You think the president is planning a massive, unprecedented amnesty of people living in the country illegally? You think he is? Oh, I think he is. He's not going to talk about it till after the midterms. But it really looks like he is. Either that or somebody has gone insane with the order forms. Someone in the U.S. government has just, maybe they ticked the wrong box. Maybe they added uh, a couple extra zeros by mistake. Maybe it's just all a big computer glitch. But you got to hear the White House press secretary dance. Dance, Josh, dance. Boy, is he being beaten up over this. Let me give you a little of the background. You, if I need to tell you that we have midterm elections coming up, you should probably just tune into some music station right now and get on with your life. But, okay, so you know that. You also, if you're paying any attention at all, a little more attention, you probably know that it's not going all that well for Democrats. So I'm not sure why the president would be keeping a policy under wraps that he should assume that people who would vote for him would like, and that is massive amnesty. But maybe he still thinks he can hold on to some of that middle ground and Middle America, who can sometimes support Democrats and sometimes support Republicans, whatever it is whatever it's going on it's it's big, and the union that represents federal immigration officers is raising alarm because they say that our federal government has ordered supplies that could be used to create millions, and I'm talking millions of blank word work permits and green cards so would they just order those randomly, or are they anticipating that the president is about to make them useful? Because you don't want to be caught short, right? The president suddenly announces amnesty. We know, Well, we don't have any blank green cards supplies. And you know this is way more than they would ever use under normal circumstances. The Associated Press actually reported this last week, that this new federal contract proposal from the Homeland Security Department would allow the government to buy enough supplies to make as many as, are you waiting for this? Listen to this number. 34 million immigrant work permits and residency cards over the next five years. 34 million. That would be a mass amnesty, wouldn't it? I mean, doesn't that sort of account for everyone in the country we think is here illegally and more? 34 million? But the Obama administration says, well, there's no executive action plan. This is totally unrelated. I suppose that's possible, but then somebody has lost their mind at the Department of Homeland Security. The president of the National Citizenship and Immigration Services Council, Kenneth Palinakis, Palinakis put out a press release yesterday. He believes the move shows pretty clearly that the administration is doing exactly what I just suggested. They're going to enact massive unilateral amnesty, but not until after the midterm elections. And he said, if you care about your immigration security and your neighborhood security, you have to act now to ensure that Congress stops this unilateral amnesty. Let your voice be heard and spread the word to your neighbors who serve in our nation's immigration agencies we who serve in our nation's immigration agencies are pleading for your help. Don't let this happen. Express your concern to your senators and your congressmen before it's too late. But the Obama administration today is saying, no, that's that's not what's going on. And White House Press Secretary Josh Ernest seemed to get caught off guard a little bit on this. But I want you to hear a pretty good grilling by the White House Press Corps. Man, they go after Josh. A.P. reported that uh, that there actually have been green cards printed or ordered for printing, as many as 9 million, 5 to 9 million. Does that tell us anything about the President's intent on the number of people that uh, he intends to make legal in this country once the election is over?
0: Uh, I did have a chance to read the uh, th- those, uh, those reports um, since yesterday's briefing and before today's. Uh, it is, I think, a relatively clever way to ask about uh, the the policy that the president has not yet announced uh, as it relates to uh, executive actions that he's prepared to take.
1: So what's he saying now? This is just the media coming up with a clever way to ask about some policy that's not relevant. Ah, that's clever. Smart way to get me to answer questions about amnesty, which I'm not talking about right now. We're not planning on right now. I don't think it's that. I I think that if it's true that they've ordered all this green paper... We deserve to know why. I mean, are you just wasting money? Or is there a plan for this paper? Or is somebody in the U.S. government just acting on their own, assuming that he's going to declare amnesty? I mean, that, that's a, not a, it's not a media-being-clever issue. It's, it's just a good question. To address
0: the problems in our broken immigration system. And Jim, I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying about this report about the printing of the additional green cards. Are you saying that is unrelated or coincidental? I'm saying that there are decisions that are made by lots of agencies, including the ordering of specific colored sheets of paper. Uh, Those sorts of decisions are not micromanaged by the White House.
1: We don't get involved in who orders what. Okay, but if we're talking enough paper to issue 34 million work permits and green cards, that's not some guy in the back office somewhere ordered a, a couple extra pens. That is not what we're talking about here. But then they sound nervous.
0: Saying that there are decisions that are uh, made by uh, lots of agencies, including the ordering of specific colored sheets of paper. Uh, those sorts of decisions are not micromanaged by the White House.
1: Don't be absurd with us. That's not just an ordinary colored piece. Of paper. Oh, I love that. Don't give me your
0: BS. Come on. Ordering of specific colored sheets of paper. Uh, those sorts of decisions are not micromanaged by the White House. Don't be absurd with us. That's not just an ordinary colored piece of paper. It is central. I'm not central, suggesting that it is central. To what the president has promised in public to do. It's also central is to, to, lay to what they're from already from doing. doing. It's also central to what they're already doing.
1: Oh, come on! They don't order them in these numbers. How stupid does this guy think we all are? That's why I asked you the question.
0: Is it coincidental or is it unrelated? Yeah, come you on would have Josh. to ask the DHS about orders for green colored paper that they've ordered. <laughs> <President>. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, the Not executive order, but the... You hear them all.
1: They're just laughing at him now, going, oh, nice try, pal. We got you on the run. Orders for green colored paper that they've ordered. president. <laughs> uh, the executive Not order, but the order of the
0: of the copier paper is coming from the Department of Homeland Security. It's it's not a dot that is unconnected to the underlying policy, okay? If the president has said that I'm going to do this, and there's a mechanism by which it can be achieved once the executive order is put in commission, and suddenly there's this contract to print more of them, why isn't it just obvious that that seems to be related? (laughs) uh, The point, I guess I'll try this one more time. Uh, DHS currently has responsibility for issuing green cards to uh, individuals who are seeking to legally enter this country, uh, and what they will do is they will order, they will order the cards associated with the five million more. Well, look, you would have to ask them about the policies that govern their procurement of green paper.
1: Do
0: they go to
1: office right? Or I mean, I, I, here's the thing: I'm really okay, not, so. Let's just do the numbers here. Uh, enough green paper to do 34 million. You know what they order in a, in an average year, 3 million work permits, residency ID, known as green cards every year. 3 million. The new contract for at least 5 million cards a year helps you understand that there's this increase of at least 2 million. It's almost doubling what they do right now. So why? What what is changing? Isn't that how you order anything? If you order any kind, if you have any business, you look, all right, what did we order last year? Well, we'll order the same this year. Was it enough or was it too much? Well, we'll adjust a little bit accordingly, Uh, unless there's a new policy coming. Yeah, all those cards we used to make out of white paper, we're now making out of green paper. Order more green paper and cancel the white paper. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe they've changed the color of some other form we don't know about. But uh, do you think Josh Ernest? Was going to answer that question today? No but chance. I don't, there are a lot of things Would that we you don't know. To be
0: prepared for an executive order that the president has said to the public he intends yeah, to sign. Yeah. The, the fact of the matter is, uh, there are still decisions to be made about what that policy uh, will entail. Uh, and when we when we're ready to announce that policy, we will um, announce it.
1: Busted! Charles Barkley has uh, said something that took a fair amount of alcohol or courage. We'll decide which. And sometimes the same thing. It can be, but alcohol is kind of a false courage, and when you sober up the next day, you think, I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> I don't know what he's wishing today, but uh, we'll tell you what he said and let you react to it coming up first, Rob. One of the
2: reasons we're never going to be successful as a whole because of other black people, and for some reason, we are brainwashed to think if you're not a thug or an idiot, you're not black enough.
1: Charles Barkley said that. That was Charles Barkley? That was Charles Barkley who said that. That was not Todd Wilson. Don't send us emails. White guy Todd Wilson did not say that. Coming up at 10:50, what the uh candidate for political office said that upset a rival candidate. Doesn't that sound exciting? No one is staying for that except that uh, the word was uh whore. Who said that? Who said that? Well, I'll tell you. That's coming up at 10.50. Let's talk about Charles Barkley. Yeah, he, uh, he he got himself out there. It's not really unlike Charles Barkley, though, to weigh in on things. He's a pretty political guy. He's pretty outspoken. He doesn't hold much back. And uh, I'm trying to think, what can I add to this? The only thing I could say is I wouldn't like to be judged or measured by people who have the same skin color as me. That I wouldn't like. Well, you're not supposed to think that because you're white, or you are you need to be more of this because you're a white guy, or maybe even a Scottish guy. You know, you're, Scottish people are not supposed to behave a certain way. That I wouldn't like. That's probably about as far as I can relate to that. You know, not everything is relatable on a personal level. This is just one of these things that uh, I'm dying to hear what you say about it. It's pretty rare that I'm really excited. I mean, it's always nice to take phone calls and we get to talk to each other, but it's rare I'm excited to hear your point of view on this. If you are an African-American, you got to call me and respond to what Charles Barkley is about to say. The number is 800-520-1-KFI. should give you a little bit of background here. And it starts as a a sports story. Uh, Dissension in the Seattle Seahawks locker room. The quarterback, Russell Wilson, some of his teammates, uh, has become very uncomfortable. Took kind of a racial turn last week when a report column suggested that, that... Some of the black players think Wilson isn't black enough. I'm quoting from the column. That's what it said. Wilson, not Todd, a different Wilson entirely. His teammates have come to his defense, saying it's an insult to our race. That's where Charles Barkley got involved. He is on a Philadelphia sports talk show. And I'll let you hear the question and the answer, so no one can say we don't have the context for it. Here it is. Mike Freeman wrote a piece about Russell Wilson. He quoted unnamed players saying he wasn't black enough, that he was too too much of a company guy and that sort of thing. Now Mike disagreed with the, the the statement, but some of the players said that. Is that the same case where like why would you hate Russell Wilson?
2: Well, unfortunately, as I tell my white friends. We as black people, we're never going to be successful, not because of you white people, because of other black people. When you are black, you have to deal with so much crap in your life from other black people. Uh, It's it's a dirty, dark secret. I'm glad it's coming out. It comes out every few years. I wrote a big chapter in my book about it, to be honest with you. I said, you know, when young black kids, you know, when they do well in school, the, the, the loser kids tell them, oh, you're acting white. The kids who speak intelligently right uh, they tell them you're acting white one of the reasons we're never going to be successful as a whole because of other black people and for some reason we are brainwashed to think if you're not a thug or an idiot you're not black enough if you go to school make good grades speak intelligent and don't break the law, you're not a good black person. And it's a dirty, dark secret, Anthony. When you're successful, your friends say, you, oh, you ain't cool, you ain't down with us yeah. anymore. And you end up giving up all your money to these damn losers, and you end up broke again.
3: Yeah.
2: There are a lot of black people who are unintelligent, who don't have a, a success. It's best to knock a successful black person down because they're intelligent, they speak well, they do well in school, and they're successful. We're the only race that tell people if you don't have street cred, which, like, that means you've been arrested. We're the only ethnic group who say, hey, if you go to jail, it gives you street cred. It's just typical BS that goes on when you're black, man.
1: Charles Barkley, I have no idea what uh, black people say to other black people and what the expectations are, but I bet a lot of you do. 800-520-1KFI. I can only tell you what white people say about black people sometimes when there are no black people around, and it's not nice. So, although a lot of times it is nice, not everybody is racist. I don't want to. I don't want to leave that impression either. So, there you go. It's uh, it's a challenge for African Americans, says Charles Barkley. That's just the way it is, and he thinks it's sad. I uh, love your take on it. If you're an African American and you're listening to Charles Barkley right now, what do those words do? Does that enrage you, or do you think, yeah, somebody needs to say that? He says it's a dirty little secret. Well, if that's true, not anymore. He's just shone some pretty bright light on it. 800 one kfi Your reaction when we come back. But first, Rob. For some
2: reason, we are brainwashed. to think if you're not a thug or an idiot, you're not black enough. If you go to school, make good grades, speak intelligent, and don't break the law, you're not a good black person. And it's a dirty, dark secret, Anthony.
1: Coming up at 1050, the one uh, candidate for higher office calls another one a whore. By accident, maybe we'll talk about that at 1050, KFI AM 640. Well, aren't they all, at least in the figurative sense, men and women here in public office, haven't you sold yourself? All right, so what are we doing here with this Charles Barkley thing? I've certainly have had African American friends say something similar to what he's saying, and that is uh, essentially. Let me, let me quote here as closely as I can. For some reason, we are brainwashed to think if you're not a thug or an idiot, you're not black enough. If you go to school, make good grades, speak intelligent, and don't break the law, you're not a good black person. Anybody disagree with that? Because I got the first few callers. Uh, it looks like they're going to line up on Charles Barkley's side, but. Anybody hear that and think, no, that's that's not true? That's an insult. Eight hundred five two zero one kfi Hey, Ken, you're on with Bill Carroll. Hey, what's
4: up, Bill? How you doing? Yeah, I agree with Charles. I mean, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an African-American, but I like to call, call it American. You know, if you ever want put a title on African-American, I'm an American. I went to school, got a good education. I was called an L7 in school because I didn't sit back, smoke, weed, and do all stuff like that. But, you know, I got my – I go to school, went to college pay for my college, the whole nine yards. I still get called, hey, uh, you're a sellout. But yeah, I'm a sellout to my family because so I'm taking care of my family. You know, a lot of black black kids, you know, they get in school, they get these good grades, and then they get around a bunch of other black kids, and all they want to do is talk about them, the grade, and the whole nine yards. I tell my kids all the time, hey, yeah, you are special. You are different. Get your education. Don't be like everybody else. Don't get on welfare. If you have any kids, you better take care of them. That's what my dad told me. If I ever catch get you getting any, any assistance from the government, I'm gonna get out my grade and I'm gonna choke you to death. So, Charles Barkley talked, talked about
1: you know you have to have street cred to be considered Not. black enough that, that that you have to get arrested, and he just thinks that that's so twisted. Uh, where do you think it comes from, Ken? If you think he's right, wh- <laughs> why? Where is that coming from? What's the basis of it?
4: Look at look at look at look at the way uh, Hollywood portrayed black people back in the day. We were either pimps, gangsters, prostitutes. You know, you had, you had a great show that was on TV. I don't know why they cut it short. The Cosby. Love The Cosby. It was showing intelligent black people. It was showing black people being successful in life. You know, but they cut that. You go around now. They want to be thugs. They want to be gangsters. They're trying to be cool. And society has a saying that girls love bad boys. But you know what? i got a wonderful girl. I'm not a bad boy. If I'm a bad boy when you when you come against my family. Yes. That's my turn to a bad boy. That's every man.
1: You Thank you, Kim. Appreciate it. I was uh, last week very honored to be asked to attend as a friend of the family when Andre Birat, the former U.S. attorney, was sworn in as a federal judge. This is an African-American man. His family came from Haiti through Mexico. Incredibly successful. Uh, I'm lucky to know him and be able to call him a friend. One of the brightest people I've ever met. One of the most ethical moral human beings you could ever met could could ever meet and to see him stand there and be sworn in as a federal judge but the other thing is he was surrounded by successful african americans who were there to celebrate him the room was filled with successful african american people and that maybe is an image that uh, young african americans need to see more i mean i had a tear in my eye thinking what a great man. If I could accomplish half as much of my life, and he's an incredible father and husband too, uh, you know, I want to be like him. And if the middle-aged white guy wants to be like the middle-aged African-American guy, then you know that's, uh we should all look up to him, right? It was just incredible to see that. So Charles Barkley, right or wrong, uh, Dragon, go ahead. You're on with Bill Carroll.
5: Hi. I, uh, I've lived what Barkley's talked about, and um, I... I myself went to school uh, as a child, uh, had good grades. My mother was an English major. My father was an engineer. Um, I was raised to speak proper, and so to me it was a regular thing. And when I moved to the city, what I found out was that basically everybody wanted to fight me over the way I spoke. And um, it's kind of disgusting sometimes when you think about it. But I was able to take care of that issue myself. A lot of times I talked more out of it. Other times I had to fight. But what you found was that people did feel that way. If you were speaking well, you were looked at and told, put your hand down. If you were in school, you were told that your street cred, whatever that was, uh, you know, you'd need that. Um, where I lived at was a very hard neighborhood, and um, I didn't need street, street cred. I, myself, was actually a Cub Scout.
1: Okay, so Scout can I ask you a question? Could it be about survival? In that, you know, instead of trying to look yeah. ahead to achieve something that may be very difficult to achieve, this is about surviving in this neighborhood, in this yeah, climate it's momentary, today. though.
5: Yeah. It's momentary, and that is the issue yet again. Uh, I have a friend of mine who grew up here in South Central, and uh, he told me the same thing. He basically learned how to downspeak. You know, he learned how to just kind of lay some jive on so he could get through the neighborhoods. and Because he and I talk about it all the time. Well, that's kind of understandable, and,
1: though, right? I mean, your survival yeah, in the moment no, is always going to be a priority.
5: It's you know things change. I mean, I'm racism, not talking literally survival,
1: but I'm talking about not being bullied, not being pushed oh, yeah. to the outside. But, All of but those the things. Thing is, that, the difference
5: between he and I were that was that I grew to be a big guy, and he's still a small guy. Right. And he and I talked about that issue that I was able to just basically speak the way I spoke and just say, "Have a nice day." Because
1: no one's going to mess. With nobody you. was
5: going to mess with me right. because I was big. But when I was smaller, it's like I grew big over a summer. When I was smaller, I went through those same issues. And I had, it was the black kids who were pushing at me, going, hey, man, you're not this, you're not that. All the teachers loved the fact that I was educated, that I spoke well, that I was able to get my point across, that I loved the reading of books, you know, the things that people need to do.
1: Well, thank you, Dragon. You know, you made it make a little sense to me uh, because. I can't relate to the African-American thing, but I can relate to being bullied when I was a kid. And uh, at some point, you make the choice to join the bullies or to uh, stay on the outside. And for a while, I chose to join them because that was just how I survived every day. And it was. Uh, it took a couple of years for me to realize this is not the right path for me. i got to find another way. Mike, do you agree with Charles Barkley or not? Hey, Lynn, oh, hey are you there, Mike? Go ahead.
3: Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? I'm all right. Um, I, I do agree with Some of the things that Charles Barkley is saying, I come from a very uh, inbreded family of Los Angeles, California, so I have some family that's gang members. I have some family that's book students, smart. Um, We're taught, I feel like, when we walk outside our doors, it's everyone against us, white man, a Mexican man, Asian man, and the police are against us. So you mix all of that as one, you have to have some kind of fuel to fight back. So being that you have this fuel, it's in you to have, you know, um, hate against the next man is what it is called, is what we call it, uh, hating some kids out here. They just don't get that, you know, prosperity and, and, and enjoying a career that you built for your life, you know, to go to school and graduate and have things. Some people don't believe in that. Some people just believe in taking that stuff.
1: So, so help me out, Mike. Help going. me out a little bit here. So you're saying that if the attitude is those people are not going to let us have what they have, you better fit in well with the people you're with right now because that's where you're going to stay?
3: Pretty much. And and that's pretty much the, the outcome of some of these looks that these kids have. Now, I, I presently live in a different city. You know, I moved away from L.A. as a youngster. My parents kept me playing sports, you know, football, you know, basketball, track. They gave me something to look forward to, to, like, you know, keep myself from game. So how do the, we, how do we, was, Mike, how
1: of... do we teach our young African-American kids that there are people like uh, Andre Birat, who just became a federal judge here in Southern California, um, and there is a president in the White House? How do we get them to focus on that?
3: Education, the value of education, it starts at home. And most of the parents, the education is kind of taken away from them, so... They kind of see it in the third light. It's like my mom or dad didn't graduate from high school. They're doing okay. Um, I could do okay, too.
1: One listener who didn't want to come on, Mike, said uh, here's what they say in the neighborhood. We're like crabs in a barrel. We don't think we can get out, so you better learn how to survive in this barrel.
3: It, it's just, That's the world we live in. I hate to say it like that, but if you're not strong in the mind first, then it's not going to happen
1: okay so then what do you say to charles barkley hey you're one of the lucky ones don't tell me how to live i'm just trying to survive
3: i'm so glad you asked this question because this is the real reason why i called i would like to see people like charles barkley magic johnson uh michael jordan become our black leaders again to give us some kind of foundation we don't have any black leaders walking around here protesting except al Sharpton. al Sharpton never picked up a bat before so, you know, him to live that life and <clears throat> to have that kind of lifestyle, can we get some real leaders? That so African-American men
1: who have credibility with kids because they've been successful yeah.
3: it would go in a way, way they can relate. When Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal moved to Los Angeles, he brought stores to Compton. He built a factory in Compton, gave people jobs. People looked at Shaquille. That's why when the Lakers were winning with him, everybody was going crazy for Shaquille because he did something for the community.
1: Thank you, Mike. All right. I spent some time with Mike because uh, he had a point of view that was different from most people who were calling in saying they uh, they agree with Charles Barkley. I'm not sure they'd entirely disagree with what he just said, but uh, appreciate it. Uh, why am I thanking Mary? Why don't we put Mary on when we come back? I think it's that we can still take one more on this, and then also uh, we're going to talk I'll, I'll fill in, because I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it, but it's pretty interesting. The uh, candidate for governor and what uh, that candidate called the other one. that's getting a lot of attention coming up next. First, KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Coming up at 11.05, Sacramento Police Shooter's wife has an alibi. Sort of. Steve Gregory is going to join us on that. Don't forget to go to our webpage every day. Today we've got a, an out, not an outtake, it was actually a blooper is a better way to put it on a local TV show, morning show, and everybody's focused on one member of the team calling another one fat. But we have observed there's something else in there that's even more interesting and funny, and we're going to try to play it for you, but I think we're going to have to leap it out. Anyway, go see for yourself unedited at KFIM640.com, who you calling fat am 640com KFIAM640.com, Bill Carroll page. Go to the top, type two R's, two L's. Curtis says, please tell Carroll to stop using African-American. It's black man, not African-American. Idiot. Uh, That's Mr. Idiot to you. You know, it's funny, I get emails uh, either way on that one. You get emails criticizing either way. For example, uh, the news story I'm using as a reference says... um, Charles Barkley is dishing out some tough love for what he d- described as unintelligent African-Americans who embrace thug culture and criticize others for not being black enough. So he used both in that article. What do you say, Brian, on that one? See, uh, growing up in Canada, we didn't use the term African-American because it wouldn't make sense. You were c- Canadian. And I noticed when uh, when I was at that swearing-in ceremony, they described Andre as a black, as a an African-American who came from Haiti. And I thought, well, then he's not really an american citizen now but if he came from haiti wouldn't he be haitian american which doesn't I, describe his color i can only tell you what a couple of callers when i uh, asked them pre-screened them asked if they were african-american and they said you know i'm not african-american i'm an american who happened to be black yeah well so. that's my preferred too because that that just makes more sense to me but uh, okay but uh, let's take a couple more calls and i'll let you hear the accidental whore before we get to the news here damu go ahead you're on with bill carroll is that how you say your name
3: yeah Damu. Uh, i agree with charles except on one issue when he says that uh african americans will never be successful we will be successful if the tradition is changed it's traditional for blacks to think like that because of the years and years of being oppressed and having to fight for everything that they wanted, they didn't get education early on. But today, we can get an education, but we just have to teach our younger kids the education, the proper way of talking, and then African-Americans or black people will be successful.
1: Now, don't keep saying African-American. That guy's going to write to you and call <laughs> you an idiot. You don't want that. Mary, uh, you waited a while, so I wanted to get you on. That's why That's why I took more calls. Just for you, Mary. Hello. Hi there. What do you think about what Charles Barkley said?
6: Well, I agree with Charles Barkley. I agree a great deal with him because he's just saying what I've been saying. Okay, I uh I grew up in South Central Los Angeles. But I moved out. I moved to a really nice area. You know, and then I uh recently went back to I went to I got a job where I have to work in south central Los Angeles, and uh it's it's like foreign, I mean it's really foreign, it's like a snake pit, and um I run into people the first thing they say is, "I just got out of jail, you know, no, 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 it's not like you won a Nobel Peace Prize, you just got out of jail, but that's important to them and uh it's uh i I agree with uh Charles because. He's telling it like it truly
1: is. Thank you, Mary. Do I have time to play this now? Yeah, I think I do. Okay, so here's what happened just very quickly. Democratic gubernatorial candidate Vince Sheehan is coming under fire for calling the governor, Nikki Haley, a whore and saying, No, 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 I didn't didn't mean to say whore, I meant something else. The
6: same year she gave her own staff 25% pay increases. That is the worst kind of politics and we are going to escort whore out the door. We're going to escort her out the door.
1: (laughs) He meant her, not whore. Uh,
6: Freudian, maybe?
1: Think
6: think about it, y'all. Alright, calm down out there. huh? I love that. The worst kind of politics, and we are going to escort her out the door. We're going to escort her out the door.
1: I think that's a legitimate (laughs) slip. Oops. For sure. I'd buy that one. Okay, the Sacramento police shooter's wife has a sort of alibi. Steve Gregory joins us next. Bill Carroll, KFI AM 640.